In honor of Indigenous Peoples Day 2020, I would like to share the following paper I wrote for a course on Sira and Hadith, which I took spring 2020 with Drive Muhammad Sarag of American University in Cairo. A drawing of the story of Tariq ibn Ziyad's burn of the Muslim ships to prevent Muslims from withdrawing from fighting the Visigoths. HTTPS colon slash slash commons dot org slash wiki slash file umar underscore farouk percent 27 s underscore percent e 1 percent b 9 percent ac percent c 4 percent 81 reek underscore ibn underscore z percent c 4 percent 81 d dot png. Introduction. Is it possible that early Arab Muslims knew about America and its native peoples? Moreover, is there evidence for this in Hadith? Since my childhood I have heard of pre-Columbus discovery of America. These assertions range from Afrocentric perspectives, which posit that there was a substantial African presence in the Americas prior to Columbus to those of heterodox Islamic movements such as the Moorish Science Temple, which holds that Muslims had contact with the Americas centuries before that of Europeans and that a number of Native American tribes had adopted Islam. In order to make their arguments, they have all referenced Arabic sources to some extent. On the other hand, it caught my attention in recent years that contemporary Arab Muslims have picked up on some of this scholarship to demonstrate that their ancestors and coreligionists indeed discovered America. One such example appears in the cryptic hadith narrated on the authority of Amir ibn Sharahil al-Sabi, d. circa 103-721, alludes to this sentiment. The hadith, reported in at least 4-4th-10th century hadith works with similar chains of narration and wording reads. Greater than God Almighty has worshippers, people, beyond Andalus, the distance, between us and Andalus, they do not see God the Almighty disobeyed by creation. Their pebbles are pearls and sapphire, their mountains are gold and silver, they do not farm or plant, nor do they trade or work. They have trees over their doors with fruits, that serve as, their food and the trees have wide leaves, that serve as, their clothes. In this paper, I will attempt to add greater context to this hadith and debate its role in the studies of pre-Columbus exploration of the Americas through an analysis in the fashion of Motsky, Cook, and Juin Bol. I will first examine the life and standing of the narrator, Amir al-Sabi, using the primary source tools of Tabakat literature from the likes of Ibn Hajar, al-Dahabi, and other classical Muslim scholars to understand their perceptions of him as a hadith narrator. Then, I will attempt to add greater context by examining the language in the Hadith and other Hadiths that mention or describe places at a distance from the Islamic heartland of the Hijaz on the Arabian Peninsula to understand more fully the early Muslim community's conception of geography. Finally, I will employ an interdisciplinary approach to discuss the implications of this Hadith in modern debates over pre-Columbus exploration of the Americas in the Arab and Western worlds. Al-Sabi, the man and his men. Amir ibn Sharahil ibn Abd ibn the Kibar al-Sabi was born in Kufa sometime within the early part of the Islamic first century. Reports in al-Dahabi's sire Alam al-Nubala place his birth between 28 and 33, while Ibn Hajar gives a range between 19 and 31 in his Tadhib al-Tadhib. Juin Bol gives an even wider range, as early as the year 16 and as late as the year 40. He was of Himyarite lineage, particularly the Sabian Hamdan tribe of ancient Yemen. Not much is known about his early life, but it appears that he was positioned to have met over 500 Sahabas, including all of the first four caliphs, Abu Bekr, Umar, Uthman, and Ali. One, however, we can rule out his meeting with Abu Bekr since he died in the year 13. It is possible that he met Umar since he died in the year 35, but this meeting could vary in significance depending on the year he was born. Nevertheless, Al-Sahabi became a respected scholar and trustworthy narrator of Hadith of the Tabi'i, successor, generation. He was known to report on the authority of a number of notable Sahaba and Tabian, see Table 1. 
Ibn Uwayna counted him amongst the major scholars of his time. Other early scholars stated that he was more knowledgeable than the likes of Sayyid ibn al-Musayyib, Ta'as, Atta, al-Hasan, al-Basri, and ibn Sirin. Al-Sabi boasted of having a robust memory. In one statement he said, I have not written black on white until this day. No man has narrated to me a hadith except that I committed it to memory, nor did I like for him to repeat it to me. One report explicitly states that he was illiterate and did not read or write. 2. Table 1, Notable Sahaba and Tabian and Al-Shabi's narrations according to Al-Dahabi. Al-Shabi's authority as a scholar and narrator is uncontested, at least within Sunni sources. Hundreds of his legal opinions survive in the later Hadith works. He was known to give fatwa, religious rulings, even when there were plenty of Sahaba alive. He was considered an expert in inheritance problems, due to his education and arithmetic, despite his apparent illiteracy. 3. He disapproved of insulting the Prophet Muhammad's wife, Aisha 4, and was quoted as saying, The Ummah has become four factions, 1. Lovers of Ali, haters of Uthman, 2. Lovers of Uthman, haters of Ali, 3. Lovers of them both, and 4. Haters of them both. When asked to which of these factions he belongs, Al-Sabi stated, a hater of whomever hates them both. 5. Perhaps his only point of controversy was his participation in politics. He was initially a Shi but was supposedly displeased by their excesses. He is reported to have participated in more than one rebellion, including Al-Ashath's insurrection against Al-Hajjaj. However, he purportedly apologized for his role in the insurrection and was pardoned. 6. He was also known to work for the Caliph Abd al-Malik ibn Marwan. However, he maintained a healthy disdain for rulers as evidenced by reports in Sire in which a man related a hadith in the court of Abd al-Malik ibn Marwan in the presence of al-Sabi to the effect that a believer should always obey his leader whether they are good or bad. Al-Sabi said to the man, you have lied. Others have understood this to mean that the man was mistaken. 7. Likewise, after Abd al-Malik sent him as a messenger to the emperor of Rome, the emperor complimented his demeanor in his return letter to the caliph. Al-Sabi allegedly retorted by saying, O commander of the faithful, that is because he saw me and not you. 8. It suffices us to say that Al-Sabi was a religious, intellectual, and political authority of his time who was active in various aspects of early Islamic intellectual history. His narrations appear in all of the major hadith collections as well as some of the lesser known collections. While the hadith in question about a land beyond Andalus does not appear in any of the major collections, perhaps due to the absence of any legal or theological value, it appears in four different lesser-known hadith collections published in the 4th and 5th centuries, Al-Mujalasa wa Jawahir al-Elm by Abu Bekr Ahmad al-Dinari, d. 333-944, Mujam ibn al-Arabi by Abu Sa'id al-Basri, d. 340-951, Al-Uzma by Abu al-Sheikh al-Azbaani, d. 369-979, and Al-Asma wa al-Sifat by Abu Bekr al-Bayaki, d. 458-1065. In the next section, I will attempt to add more context to the hadith in question by analyzing some popular hadiths that might shed light on early Arab Muslim knowledge of foreign lands. Hadith on foreign lands. How much did the early generations of Muslims know about the world outside of the Arabian Peninsula? While one might assume that the Arabs, whether Bedouins or those settled in desert cities like Mecca and Medina, could not have known much about the world due to their remoteness, there is evidence to the contrary. Historical evidence suggests that there was extensive interaction between Arabs and surrounding peoples. Jurji Zaydan details outside influences on the Arabian Peninsula in his work, Al-Arab Kabbal al-Islam. 
he discusses how the Assyrians, Persians, Greeks, and Egyptians tried to conquer or exert their influence on the Arabs at one point or another in history. 9. There appears to be ample influence of Ethiopia, Rome, Persia, and other surrounding empires on the political environment of the Arabian Peninsula since antiquity. Most historians mark the birth of Muhammad with the year of the elephant. In a hadith narrated by Ibn Hisham as well as other notable hadith scholars and historians such as Ahmad ibn Hanbal, al-Tabari, ibn Kathir, al-Dahabi, and al-Bukhari, the Prophet Muhammad appeared to have an intimate knowledge of the Abyssinian king of his time. According to these traditions, after witnessing the types of torture and adversities to which his followers were subjected in Mecca, he informed them, If you all departed to the land of Habasha, Ethiopia, then surely and it is a ruler who does not wrong anyone in his presence and it is a land of truth so that God will release you from what you are in now. Based on this proclamation, 83 followers representing different Meccan families relocated to Ethiopia. 10. While the above-mentioned hadith is significant for introducing the concept of hijra, migration, to the early Muslim community, some questions linger as to the nature of the Prophet's statement if we accept it as authentic. How was he so certain about the character of the Abyssinian king and his subjects without first-hand experience with them? Why did the Prophet not send his followers to more familiar lands such as the Sham and Yemen? In the reports of conversations between the Meccans and the Abyssinian court we never hear of a translator. Did they understand each other's language or was the translator omitted from the reports? Furthermore, in the report in which Jafar ibn Abi Talib recites verses from Surat Maryam for the Abyssinian king, how was it that he was affected without understanding the original language? While spontaneous interpretation is possible, it is difficult for translation experts today to render accurate translations of literary works, let alone something as nuanced as religious scripture. While we may never know the answers to these questions, and they are certainly beyond the scope of this paper, they give an indication that the relationship between Arabia and Ethiopia have deeper roots than we may ordinarily imagine. Similar connections can be drawn between Arabs and the Byzantines, Rum, as well as the Persians. These connections are recorded in the Quran and much of the Tafsir and Sira literature. We witness an example of this in the lengthy account of how Salman al-Farsi met the Prophet Muhammad and embraced Islam. In the Sira of Ibn Hisham, Salman recounts his story in first person. He tells of how he was the son of a Persian leader and later became the fire-bearer of the Zoroastrians in his area. After being exposed to Christianity, he fled his home to learn and live among them in Syria. In Syria, he found a corrupt bishop and exposed him. From there, he traveled seeking to learn under pious and learned Christian figures until one of them told him that there was an awaited prophet who would appear on the Arabian Peninsula. So he set out to meet this prophet and paid a cow to some traders to take him to Arabia, but they betrayed him and sold him as a slave to a Jewish man from Medina. He worked for him and another man until he met the prophet Muhammad in Medina. 11. Salman al-Farsi's story demonstrates that the lands of Persia, Syria, and Arabia were connected through travel and trade. Likewise, there was an awareness of each other's lands and that there was an exchange of ideas that took place via these travels. While this was the case, we get a sense that the Arabian Peninsula was on the periphery of these exchanges as it did not add a unique religious perspective until the spread of Islam outside the region. In the eschatological chapters of Ibn Majah's al-Sanan, a number of traditions describe and mention people and places beyond the Arabian homeland. They largely mention conflicts with Byzantium, Rum, and Central Asians, Turks. The following presents some selected translations of those traditions that discuss the prelude to the Battle of Armageddon, Al-Malhama. 1. The Romans will make a peace treaty with you, then they will war with you as enemies. You will be victorious, take the spoils, and be at peace. Then you will go out to a prairie with hills and a man among the people of the cross will raise the crucifix and say, the crucifix is victorious. 
one of the Muslims will be angered by this, he will rise and break the cross. At this moment, Rome will betray the treaty and gather for the Battle of Armageddon. 12 2. You will fight the Arabian Peninsula and Allah will conquer it. Then you will fight Rome and Allah will conquer it. Then you will fight the Antichrist, Dajjal, and Allah will conquer him. 13 3. The Great Battle of Armageddon, the conquering of Constantinople, and the appearance of the Antichrist will happen in seven months. 14 4. You all will fight the Banu Asfar, the Romans, and so will your successors until the elect of Islam go out to fight them, the people of the Hijaz who do not fear the blame of the blameworthy for the sake of Allah. They will conquer Constantinople with takbir and tasbih and acquire spoils like they have not acquired before, so that it will be distributed on shields. Then someone will come and say that the Messiah has appeared in your land, but it will be a lie. Whosoever takes the spoils will regret and whosoever leaves it will regret. 15 5. The hour will not come until you fight a people whose souls are made of hair and the hour will not come until you fight a small-eyed people. 16 6. The hour will not come until you fight a small-eyed, thick-nosed people, as if their faces are bowed and shielded, and the hour will not come until you fight a people whose souls are made of hair. 7. The Dajjal will emerge from a land in the east called Khorasan. People whose faces are bowed and shielded will follow him. 17. The first four of the above-mentioned hadiths all mention Rome slash Rum, Byzantium, by name, with numbers three and four mentioning its capital, Constantinople, specifically. These accounts allude to the ongoing battles between Arab Muslims and the Byzantine Empire, which represented the European Christian world. These battles had begun during the life of the Prophet Muhammad, but in no way did the Arabs have any leverage over their Byzantine adversaries until after his death. The final three appear to associate the end of the world with battling an Asiatic people, most likely the Turks. Only the final hadith mentions a geographical location, Khorasan, while they all attempt to describe their appearance. Interestingly, the only description given for the Byzantines is the epithet, Banu Asfar, the sons of a blonde. However, the final three hadiths provide descriptions of a people we can identify as Asian. More specifically, it describes Central Asians or Turkic people from Khorasan. Souls made from hair, http colon slash slash www.turkishculture.org slash picture underscore shower.php? Image ID equals 1870. In summary, while the Hadith about Ethiopia, Persia, the Levant, Byzantine, and Khorasan show an awareness of the lands surrounding the Arabian Peninsula, we do not get a sense that the early Arab Muslims had a depth of knowledge about these lands. The Prophet Muhammad's knowledge of Ethiopia and its ruler remains an object of speculation. Early Arab attitudes about Persia and the Levant appear to be ambivalent, while their attitudes towards Byzantine and Khorasan were largely adversarial. Beyond that it is difficult to gather much more information about Arab knowledge of other lands from Hadith. It is possible that the Hadiths as they have been transmitted were deficient of the original detail in which these lands were described. Although we would expect the detail to appreciate over the years as Arabs came into contact with these lands. Perhaps a broader sample of Hadith is needed to ascertain a more complete picture. Nevertheless, it appears from these popular hadiths about foreign lands that there is not enough evidence to show that the Arabs knew much about lands beyond the Arabian Peninsula, at least those in the Eastern Hemisphere. Al-Shabi's hadith, if authentic, is an anomaly among hadiths on lands outside the Arabian Peninsula. They came before Columbus. An ongoing debate. One aspect of Al-Shabi's hadith that is worthy of exploration is its relation to contemporary myths and scholarship concerning pre-Columbian contact between the so-called Old World and New World. These theories range between the plausible and implausible, depending on the strength of their evidences. 
It is not my intention to argue the veracity of every alternative theory, rather to show how al-Shabi's mysterious hadith is in tune with many of these contemporary theories. In the Arab world, the Palestinian writer, Jihad al-Turbani, is a proponent of the theory that Muslims discovered America before Columbus. He devotes two chapters of his acclaimed book, 100 Great People of Islam Who Changed the Course of History, to this topic. In the chapter titled, The Discoverer of America, Piri Reis, he credits this Ottoman scholar, also known as Ahmet Mahitan Piri Bey, with the discovery of America due to the detailed maps he drafted of the world, which show parts of the Americas such as Brazil Florida, and Cuba among other lands. 18. While there is no doubt that these maps represent some of the oldest extant maps of the Americas, there is no evidence that he ever traveled there. It is also not true that his maps predate Columbus' journey as they date back to the 16th century. What is more, some have speculated that his maps show evidence that he received assistance from extraterrestrial life forms. Nevertheless, Piri Race stated in his own words where his inspiration for the maps came from. In addition to mentioning Columbus, he credits the Arabs, Indians, and Chinese. For the purpose of this study, it is only the Arab cartographers or explorers that concern us. Is it possible that Al-Sabi was one of the Arab inspirations for his maps? Pinto states that they are unknown in current scholarship. This is partially due to their lack of knowledge of Islamic cartography. In the meanwhile, Savat Sosik, a specialist of Ottoman cartography, has not yet revealed anything conclusive on this front. 19. A positive link between this map and Al-Sabi has not yet been made, but remains a possibility. In the chapter titled, The Muslims Who the Muslims Do Not Know Of, Al-Turbani attempts to give a list of evidences that allude to Muslim discovery of the Americas. Among them are the Hadith of Al-Sabi, 20, which he deploys among other historical reports that allude to pre-Columbian contact between Muslims and the Americas. In brief, he counts the report of Uqba ibn Nafi who upon reaching the Atlantic Ocean said, O oh God! If I knew there was a land beyond the sea, I would enter it for your sake in order to raise over it the testament, there is no God but the God. In addition, he cites reports of westward travel by Muslim explorers in the works of al-Masudi, Yashin al-Jazali, al-Idrisi, and al-Amari. Al-Turbani also pulls on an undercurrent of Western scholarship, which posits that other civilizations explored the Americas prior to Columbus. For instance, he quotes, and occasionally Mies cites, Leo Wiener's 1922 publication, Africa and the Discovery of America. 21. Jihad al-Turbani's take presentation of the chapter The Muslims Who the Muslims Do Not Know Of. While al-Turbani's work can hardly be called scholarship, he does bring attention to this recent body of scholarship to the Arab world. However, his citations appear sloppy and selective. In one example, he opens the former chapter with a quote of Wiener's book, Christopher Columbus was completely aware of the Islamic presence in America before he came to it. 22. However, I have not found the quote that he translated anywhere in the original work. In fact, there are only a few passing mentions of Islam or Mohammedanism throughout the book. There are references to Arabs in as much as their influence on Africans, who Wiener is attempting to demonstrate had extensive pre-Columbian contact with Native Americans, not necessarily Muslims. Another glaring omission of Al-Turbani is his reticence to mention any of the more recent literature on the topic, which popularized these ideas, such as they came before Columbus by Ivan van Sertima and deeper roots by Abdullah Hakim Quick. Such works are deeply influenced by the Black Studies movement and the African-centered, Afrocentric, perspective. In this perspective, the connection to pre-Columbian exploration of the Americas and ancient Arab knowledge is always made via West African Muslims. Had Al-Turbani looked into they came before Columbus, he would have found that Van Sertima credits pre-existing Arab Muslim knowledge to West African exploration of the Americas prior to Columbus. 23. 
In many areas of this book, in order to establish that Africans explored the Americas before Columbus, Van Sertima pulls on many secondary sources about Arab and Muslim travels, such as Jeffrey's pre-Columbian Arabs in the Caribbean, 24, Hawaii Lin Lee's Mulan Pie, A Case for Pre-Columbian Transatlantic Travel by Arab Ships, 25, and Kovitz Le Berber and Amérique. 26, while Al-Sabi is not directly referenced by Van Sertima or his references, he is a proponent of the idea that the Arabs in particular possess knowledge of world navigation, that fed into other cultures such as the Chinese, the Berbers, and most of all, the West Africans. Dr. Abdullah Hakim Quick's presentation of deeper roots. Similarly, Quick has done much in recent years to popularize the idea of Muslim pre-Columbian contact among Muslims. Quick is an American convert to Islam of Afro-Indigenous Caribbean origins. He is also one of the first two American graduates of the Islamic University of Medina. He brings all his backgrounds into conversation through this study. His worldwide lectures, based on his 1998 monograph Deeper Roots, kindled an Islamic-centered approach to pre-Columbian American history. Many of the sources alluded to by al Turbani, such as the map of Piri race, can be found in Quick's publication a full 12 years prior. However, Quick chooses to emphasize the accomplishments of West African Muslims. He restates the evidences of Van Sertima, Winters, Weiner, and others that argue for a pre-Columbian Mandingo presence in the Americas and the Caribbean on the grounds of Mandingo inscriptions, accounts of European explorers, and the remnants of their trade in gold and cotton. He is unique in that he adds to this body of evidence the origins of the Garifuna people of Belize and Honduras, who he argues are the descendants of those Mandingo explorers. In addition, he points out that they have traditionally held on to some Islamism such as the avoidance of pork, the wearing of crescent accessories, close-knit family structures, conservative sexual mores, and a belief in one creator. 27. One can only speculate if these were the people alluded to in al-Shabi's Hadith. If we were to take the meaning of the Hadith at face value, then we could say that the inhabitants of the land beyond Andalus were a monotheistic people, whose practice of religion was approved of by Arab Muslims. This line of thinking is consistent with the beliefs of some religious sects that originated in the United States, such as the Church of Latter-day Saints, Mormonism, and the Moorish Science Temple. Early followers of John Smith, founder of the Church of Latter-day Saints, understood the Book of Mormon to describe the history of the Native Americans. It tells how a small group of people from Jerusalem, led by God, trekked through the Arabian Peninsula to eventually settle in the Western Hemisphere. The common understandings amongst Mormons is that the Native Americans are descendants of the original tribes of Israel. 28. Similarly, the Moorish Science Temple, founded by noble Drew Ali following the turn of the 20th century expressed a belief that overlapped the identities of Native Americans, Moors, Muslims from Northwest Africa, and African Americans. Ali claimed to possess esoteric knowledge that was kept hidden by the Muslims of India, Egypt, and Palestine that pertained to his doctrine. 29. In his doctrine, there was no race. Instead, he preferred to identify people by their nationalities, by which he meant their ancient tribal origins. For instance, the Moors, African Americans, were initially from the land of Moab, current-day Mecca and the Hijaz. The pharaohs of Egypt permitted them to rule over northwest Africa, current-day Morocco, whose kingdom extended into the American continent. As such, the Moors were related to or descended from the Asiatic nations that built the great civilizations of the past. Thus, the Moors of America, who were descendants of the ancient Moabites from Mecca along with their other indigenous counterparts, were subsumed within the Muslim civilization. 30. The myths of both the Mormons and the Moorish Science Temple express a belief that the Native Americans were a religious community from the East who migrated to the American continent to live in a utopia. 
This corresponds with the theme in Al-Shabi's Hadith that the people beyond Andalus were pious worshippers. The Hadith alludes to the notion that the Native American conception of God was similar, if not identical to that of Semitic peoples from the Middle East. Furthermore, Al-Shabi describes their lifestyle as one of simplicity but opulent. Indeed, oftentimes Native Americans portray themselves and are portrayed as a people who lived in harmony with the earth and in turn the earth provided for them. Summary Al-Shabi's report about a land beyond Andalus remains a mystery that needs and deserves much more research. His authority as an early Hadith narrator and jurist is well established. Even if we were to doubt the accuracy of the report's attribution to Al-Shabi, the mere mention of a land beyond Andalus in the 10th century is a matter worthy of speculation. Furthermore, contemporary scholarship and folklore on pre-Columbian exploration of the Americas consistently points to ancient knowledge from the Middle East, although they have yet to find the smoking gun and though other reports on foreign land from the Hadith corpus do not seem to give us a link between Al-Shabi's seemingly advanced knowledge of geography, we can contemplate a myriad of reasons as to why that is so. Perhaps Al-Shabi's knowledge was not common or had not yet become common among the early Muslims. Or perhaps this knowledge did not originate with the Arabs, but only surfaced after their contact with non-Arabs. Whatever the case may be, we are certain that knowledge of the existence of the American continent was not widespread among the early Muslims or Uqba ibn Nafi would not have made his infamous remark upon arriving to the Atlantic Ocean. Nevertheless, recent scholarship on pre-Columbian Muslim contact with the Americas has highlighted the expeditions of West Africans, Chinese, Turks, and Berbers, in addition to Arabs. However, more research is needed to pinpoint exactly when and how these groups learned of the Western Hemisphere. It appears that these different ethnic groups lived worlds apart, but they were united by a single religion, Islam. Therefore, it is not entirely baseless to assume that knowledge of the Americas was circulated in Islamicate cultures throughout the Middle Ages with European societies, emerging from the Dark Ages, becoming the last to learn about them. The issue remains exactly when Muslims first became acquainted with the Americas and how did they obtain this knowledge. Al-Shabi's Hadith is an outlier in terms of this history and much work needs to be done to connect it to the main body of evidence. References Ali, Drew. The Holy Quran of the Moorish Science Temple of America. Hogarth Blake Limited, 1927. HHBB.com. Ascalani, Ibn Hajar al-Tadhib al-Tadhib. Volume 5. 15 Volumes Cairo, Dar al-Kitab al-Islami, 1909 https colon slash 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 book dot php bit equals 11905 covet gaston edouard jules lay berber en amerique si dethnosinesi prehistorique nomenclature et examen des tribus homonyms des du rives de l'atlantique part des berber dons le pupilment de l'amerique france j bringao 1930 davis douglas james an introduction to mormonism Cambridge, UK New York, Cambridge University Press, 2003. The Hobby, Shams Aldin Muhammad Al. Sire Alam Al-Nubala. Edited by Hassan Abd Al-Manan. Lebanon, Beit Al-Afkar Al-Daliya, 2004. Ibn Hisham Hisham Ibn Hisham, Abu Muhammad Abd Al-Malik Ibn Hisham Ibn Ayyub Al-Himyari. Al-Sira Al-Nabawiyah. Al-Jews Al-Awal. Edited by Majdi Fadi Al-Sayed. First ed. Cairo, Dar al-Sahaba lil Taroth, 1995. Ibn Majah, Muhammad ibn Yazid. Al-Sanan. First ed. Volume 4. Four volumes Cairo, Dar al-Tazel, 2014. Jeffries, MDW Pre-Columbian Arabs in the Caribbean. 
The Muslim Digest 5, No. 1, 1954. Junbal, G. H. A. Al-Ashay In Encyclopedia of Islam, 2nd edition, April 24, 2012 https colon slash slash referenceworks.brillonline.com slash entry slash encyclopedia of islam 2 slash al shabi sim underscore 6726 question mark s dot num equals 0 and s dot f dot s 2 underscore parent equals s dot f dot book dot encyclopedia of islam 2 and s dot q dot equals al shah percent 27 by pinto karen search in his eyes Looking for traces, Piri Race World Map of 1513 and its Islamic Iconographic Connections, a reading through Baghdad 334 and Proust. Osmanl Aristramalar, The Journal of Ottoman Studies 39, 2012, 63-94. Quick, Abdullah Hakim. Deeper Roots, Muslims in the Americas and the Caribbean from before Columbus to the present. London, Taha Publishers, 1998. Sertima, Ivan Van. They came before Columbus, the African presence in ancient America. New York, Random House, 2003. Sesjan, Fuat, and Farid ibn Fagel. Iktishaf al-Muslimin lil-Kara al-Amrikiya Kabul Christopher Columbus. In Geschichte des Arabischen Schriftums. Frankfurt, University of Frankfurt, 2006 https colon slash slash www.normbook.com slash percent d9 percent 83 percent d8 percent a8 percent d8 percent a7 percent d8 percent a8 percent d8 percent a7 percent d9 percent 83 percent d8 percent a8 percent d8 percent before percent d8 percent a7 percent d9 percent 81 percent d8 percent a7 percent d9 percent 84 percent d9 percent 85 percent d8 percent b3 percent d9 percent 84 percent d9 percent 85 5% D9% 88% D9% 86% D9% 84% D9% 84% D9% 82% D8% A7% D8% B1% D8% A9% D8% A7% D9% 84% D8% A3% D9% 85% D8% B1% D9% 88% D9% 83% D9% 88% D8% A9% D9% 82% D8% a 8% D9% 84% D9% 83% D8% B1% D9% 88% D8% B3% D8% AA% D9% 88% D9% 81% D8% B1% D9% 83% D9% 88% D9% 84% D9% 88% D9% 85% D8% A8% D9% 88% D8% B3% D9% 85% D9% 84% D9% 88% D9% 86% PDF. Ships, Arab, and Hawaii Lin Lee. Mulan Pai, A Case for Pre-Columbian Transatlantic Travel by Arab Ships. Harvard Journal of Asiatic Studies 23, 1960, 114-26. https colon slash doi.org 10.2307218572. Smith, Christopher C. Playing Lamanite, Ecstatic Performance of American Indian Roles in Early Mormon Ohio. Journal of Mormon History 41, No. 3, 2015, 131-66. Sosik, Svatopluk. Piri Race and Turkish Mapmaking After Columbus. Istanbul, Boyet Yainler, 2013. Strassler, Robert B., Herodotus, and Rosalind Thomas. The Landmark Herodotus, The Histories. Translated by Andrea L. Purvis. 
Reprint Edition. New York, Anchor Books, 2009. Strassler, Robert B., and Andrea L. Purvis. The Landmark Herodotus, The Histories. First Anchor Books Ed. New York, Anchor Books, 2009. Turbany, Jihad Al. Mia Min Uzama Ahmed Al Islam Gawumadra Al Tariq. First Ed. Cairo, Dar Al Taqwa, 2010. Vest, J. Hansford C. Mormons and Indians in Central Virginia, J. Golden Kimball and the Mason Family's Native American Origins. Journal of Mormon History 40, No. 3, 2014, 127-54. Wiener, Leo. Africa and the Discovery of America. Volume 2. Philadelphia, Innes and Sons, 1922. Zaydan, Jerji. Al-Arab Kabul al-Islam. 3rd ed. Cairo, Dar al-Halal, 1922. Dash. Notes. 1. Ibn Hajar al-Asqalani, Tadhib al-Tadhib, Volume 5, Cairo, Dar al-Kitab al-Islami, 1909, 68, https colon slash slash wakfaya.com slash book.php. Bid equals 11905, Shams al-Din Muhammad al-Dahabi, Sire Alam al-Nubala, ed. Hassan Abad al-Manan, Lebanon, Bait al-Af Karal Dalia, 2004, 2101, G. H. A. Jubal, al-Shabai. In Encyclopedia of Islam, 2nd edition, April 24, 2012, https colon slash slash referenceworks.brillonline.com slash entries slash Encyclopedia of Islam 2 slash El Shabi Sim underscore 6726 question mark s dot num equals 0 and s dot f dot s 2 underscore pair and equals s dot f dot book dot Encyclopedia of Islam 2 and s dot q dot equals El Shah percent 27 by dot and NBSP. 2. Al Dahabi. Sire Alam al-Nubala, 2102. 3. G. H. A. Jubal, al-Shabai, in Encyclopedia of Islam, 2nd edition, April 24, 2012, https colon slash slash referenceworks.brillonline.com slash entries slash Encyclopedia of Islam 2 slash El Shabi Sim underscore 6726 question mark s dot num equals 0 and s dot f dot s 2 underscore parent equals s dot f dot book dot Encyclopedia of Islam 2 and s dot q dot equals El Shah percent 27 by 4, Al Dahabi, 2102. 5, Ibid, 2104. 6. G. H. A. Jubal, al Bai, in Encyclopedia of Islam, 2nd edition, April 24, 2012, https colon slash slash referenceworks.brillonline.com slash entries slash Encyclopedia of Islam 2 slash El Shabi Sim underscore 6726 question mark s dot num equals 0 and s dot f dot s 2 underscore parent equals s dot f dot book dot Encyclopedia of Islam 2 and s dot q dot equals Al Shah percent 27 by 7. Al Dahabi, Sire Alam Al Nubala, 2104. 8. Ibid, 2103. 9. Jirji Zaydan, Al Arab Kabul Al Islam, 3rd ed. Cairo, Dar Al Halal, 1922, 114 15. 10. Abu Muhammad Abd Al Malik ibn Hisham ibn Ayyub Al Himyari, Al Syra Al Nabawiyah. Al Jews Al Awal, ed. Majdi Fadi Al Sayyid, 1st ed. Cairo, Dar al Sahaba Lil Taroth, 1995, 407-417. 11. Abu Muhammad Abd al-Malik ibn Hisham ibn Ayyub al-Himyari ibn Hisham, al-Syra al-Nabawiyah.
Al-Juz al-Awal, ed. Majdi Fadi al-Sayed, 1st ed. Cairo, Dar al-Sahaba lil Taroth, 1995, 274-285. 12, Muhammad ibn Yazid ibn Majah, al-Sanan, 1st ed., Volume 4, 4 volumes, Cairo, Dar al-Tazil, 2014, 36. 13, Ibid. 37. 14, Ibid. 37. 15, Ibid. 38. 16, Ibid. 39. 17, Ibn Majah, al-Sanan, 4102. 18, Jihad al-Turbani, Miyam min Uzama Ahmad al-Islam Gawu Madra al-Tariq, 1st ed. Cairo, Dar al-Taqwa, 2010, 280-282. 19, Svatopluk Sosik, Piri Race and Turkish Mapmaking after Columbus, Istanbul, Boyat Yainler, 2013, 50, quoted in Karen Pinto, Search in His Eyes, Looking for Traces, Piri Race World Map of 1513 and its Islamic Iconographic Connections, a reading through Baghdad 334 and Proust, Osmanler Estramaler, The Journal of Ottoman Studies 39, 2012, 70-71. 20, Al-Turbani, Miyam min Uzama Ahmad al-Islam, 284. The author cites the Hadith in a book called, Al-Huth Allah al-Tiara by Abu Bekr al-Khalil, but I was not able to locate the Hadith in this work. Furthermore, this work is not a book of Hadith so a learned individual will not seek out Hadith narrations from a work that is essentially about encouraging pious Muslims to make an honest living. 21, Al-Turbani, Miyam in Uzama Ahmad al-Islam, 284-290. Al-Turbani repeatedly refers to the author of Africa and the discovery of America as Leon Fear Neil. I am not sure where he got this name from, but the author's proper name is Leo Wiener. 22, Ibid. 283. 23, Ivan Van Sertima, They Came Before Columbus, The African Presence in Ancient America, New York, Random House, 2003, 69. 24, M.D.W. Jeffries, Pre-Columbian Arabs in the Caribbean, The Muslim Digest 5, No. 1, 1954. 25, Arab Ships and Hawaii Lin Lee, Mulan Pai, A Case for Pre-Columbian Transatlantic Travel by Arab Ships, Harvard Journal of Asiatic Studies 23, 1960, 114-26, https://doi.org/10.2307218572. 26. Gaston Jules Covet, Les Berbères en Amérique, SI d'Ethnocinesie Préhistorique. Nomenclature et examen des tribus homonyms des du rives de l'Atlantique. Part des Berbères dans le pupillement de l'Amérique, France. J. Bringau, 1930. 27. Abdullah Hakim Quick, Deeper Roots, Muslims in the Americas and the Caribbean from Before Columbus to the Present, London, Taha Publishers, 1998, 32-34. 28. Douglas James Davis, An Introduction to Mormonism, Cambridge, UK New York, Cambridge University Press, 2003, 52. 29. Drew Ali, The Holy Quran of the Moorish Science Temple of America, Hogarth Blake Limited, 1927, 6, hhbb.com. 30, Ibid. 98 100.